Welcome to the Today is a Good Day podcast, a podcast to give families a new point of support as they navigate the NICU journey. Thank you for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcast and share this episode with anyone who might find it helpful. Welcome to the Today is a Good Day podcast. Our guests today, along with her husband, both come from big families and always wanted a big family of their own. They have three children and have been married for seven years. While they were always excited for a big family, their journey to parenthood has been filled with many twists and turns. Quinn is here with us to share her family's story, including her multiple stays in the NICU. So welcome, Quinn. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Full disclosure, Quinn is also a longtime volunteer with Today is a Good Day, so we're so glad she's a part of our Today is a Good Day family. Now, you've had multiple NICU stays, so tell us about your family story. All right, so um, Briar, um, she was our first. Uh, around... 26 weeks, um, I started feeling very crampy. Um, and at this point, I mean, I'm from one of six. My husband's from one of five. I had nine nieces and nephews at that point. Um, I have a million cousins, and I really have never heard of any of them having issues when they're pregnant or having any preterm deliveries. Um, so I kept asking, you know, my mom, my sister-in-laws that were pregnant along with me, like, are you cramping? Is this normal? And they're like, oh, like drink more water, drink more water. So um, around 26 weeks, I went away with my husband for the weekend. Um, he was coaching a lacrosse tournament and I was having like what I felt was probably contractions, but I didn't know because it was my first. So I um, left in the middle of the night and I went to Abington because I was in Maryland and I was like, I can get like an hour and a half. Um, and I went in there, they did all the tests to see if my water had broken. Um, they definitely saw some contractions on the monitor, but they weren't too concerned. They also said, drink more water. And um, I wasn't bleeding or anything. Um, so then I went home, went to the shore for the week for 4th of July. Um, and then that week I started having fevers, like only around nighttime. And the cramping had still continued, but it wasn't super painful. Um, and then that Friday, I was like in, you know, excruciating pain. Um, I somehow drove myself home again, uh, went to bed and then woke up the next morning, you know, basically in a lot of blood, uh, went to the hospital and they, you know, did all the tests again and it didn't look like my water had broken. I did have bleeding, um, it kind of slowed down. Um, then they gave me steroids and I was admitted to the mom unit was there for five days, I want to say, um, before she came. They almost sent me home at one point because everything had stopped and she looked good on the monitor basically the whole time. Uh, then the night before, I think she had a few dips in the monitor, so they were on high alert again. So I, I ended up not going home because I started bleeding again. And then around 10 a.m. that morning, it was a Tuesday morning, I was rushed to the OR and her, you know, uh, their heart, I guess her heartbeat. I don't know. What is that word? I can't think right now. Um, uh, dropped really low. So she was an emergency. Um, she was born at 28 weeks and zero days and she was two pounds, nine ounces. Um, she 
was admitted obviously to the NICU. I had no idea what was going on. I had no experience of the NICU. I didn't know anyone that had any babies prematurely. Um, I did have my uncle who was a neonatologist there, Dr. Cleary, and he obviously really helped us along the way before we had her, you know, how, what to expect. And then along that whole stay, he was, you know, a really good guide. Um, and she did pretty well in the NICU. Um, I had no, like I said, I had no idea what was going on. So I was very naive, which I think helped us in our first day because we didn't really know what could happen and how bad it could really get. Um, she had a lot of apnea episodes. Um, she ended up going home on caffeine. She ended up having to go home on, um, amoxicillin because she had an infection in the hospital and they found that it was a UTI. So she had urinary reflux and then she ended up going on home on propranolol for her hemangioma on her arm. So when we took her home, she was on all those things and an apnea monitor. Um, so it was stressful. It was a lot of medications and just a lot of things. And it was our first baby and, you know, we had no idea, but we really didn't know any difference. So we kind of cruised through and had the support of our family, obviously my husband. So um, got through that one. They did not yeah. that I would have another up. So I had a placenta abruption with her and they really thought I must have had an infection of some sort because I had gotten infected after I had her, my C-section um, and my fevers were really high in the hospital. So I ended up having to stay longer after I had her. And then with Baylor, they didn't really, they were like, we'll see how it goes. You know, you're on high alert. We're on high alert, but we think that everything should be fine. It usually doesn't happen again. We think it was an infection related. Um, and then lo and behold, around, he lasted till 32 weeks, but around 30 weeks, everything started happening the same, exactly the same, the fevers, the cramping. Um, I went in the hospital probably three times before I was admitted for him. I had the steroids, everything, and, you know, they just watched me until I started dilating. And with him, they did take him out quicker because I was further along. I was 32 in five days. So they felt like he was more safe to be delivered. Um, so I really didn't linger in the mom unit for too long with him. Um, and he did pretty well in the NICU as well. Um, I definitely knew a lot more because of Briar. So I was nervous about every little thing. I was convinced he had neck at one point because he would spit up and I was told that he most definitely did not um, have that. But I was just, you know, very nervous and yeah. very like just every little thing. I'd be like, oh, this is happening. This is happening. Right. Um, and obviously I had Briar at home. So um, we moved in with my parents then, which was huge that they could watch her while Rob was at work and I was in the NICU and that was very huge and helpful. Um, and then he did pretty well too, but I insisted that he go home on a monitor because I was such a nervous wreck with Briar. So they said, okay, whatever you want, you know, and he stayed for about six weeks. So it was shorter stay. He was five pounds, six ounces. So he wasn't, you know, the tiny little baby I was used to. Um, and then there was Scout, who was not planned. They, I don't know if my doctors were too excited when I told them I was pregnant with a third. Um, but, you know, they were like, all right, well, it's happening. So 
obviously your chances are very high of this happening again. And, you know, I had two toddlers at the time. So it's like, it's not like I could just sit down and not move for nine months. Um, But we tried everything with her. We tried the progesterone shots, um, which I don't think had anything to do with what my issues were. Um, But around 24 weeks with her, I started feeling uh, the cramps. And I was admitted with her at 26 weeks. Um, I had gone in probably five times into triage with her because they just kept sending me. Anytime I said I had a cramp, they were like, just go to the hospital, get checked. Um, And finally, I started having bleeding and that got me admitted. And I was almost relieved because that was really scary, like cramping. And I know what can, you know, what was going to happen. And I was scared if I was home and something, you know, she wasn't going to survive if I wasn't at the hospital where they could deliver her. Um, so we finally got admitted at 26 weeks. She was born 27 and zero. Um, that was a very tough delivery. Um, really, really scary. And she um, she had to be resuscitated when she was finally delivered. Um, they think they, we took a little long to make the decision. I mean, I knew she was, they, she was very young, 27 weeks. So they didn't want to deliver her until they absolutely had to. And she was showing signs that she needed to be delivered. Um, but everything happened really fast in the end and we almost lost her, but she's here. Yeah. And then when she got into the NICU, um, she did the best out of all three of my kids. She really just cruised through. Um, I had obviously known every, how the NICU worked from the ins and the outs. And I knew a lot of the doctors very well. They were my friends at this point. The nurses were my friends at this, this point. Um, so I really just, yeah, I don't know. She, she shocked us all compared to Briar was like the ap- yeah, episode queen. I mean, she was blue half the day and Scout was younger than her, tinier than her, had a rough delivery. Um, her this My sack was completely suctioned to her face, which they had never seen before. Um, my water was completely gone. And she, yeah, somehow just, she amazes us every day. She's perfect. Well, in I, every- I think when you look at the NICU journey too, you, I mean, every child does differently, right? So mm-hmm. her being the 27 weeker and that you said she did the best out of all three. I, I mean, it's just the, you just never know, right? Never you know. just never know. Now yeah. I did want to ask you Quinn, and and that's a lot, right? Our listeners listening in, you, you had a lot of different experiences <laughs> be, between your three children, your sweet miracles that you have. When you look back now, I understand, I know your uncle, Dr. Cleary, who also took care of our children too. We love him a lot. Yes. But when you look back, on your first delivery, first day in the NICU, and compare it to your third, what do you feel like you learned from the first day to the last day that you would share with other families, things that you think you wish you wish you had known when you first went in? Um, well, number one, I would guess I would say, I don't know, the first day in the NICU, for me was very scary, but also, like I said earlier, not, I was naive. So I really didn't know what it all meant. Um, but I did know it was not good that she was in there and she was tiny and, you know, a little scary looking. And I think by 
that feeling to the last day um, with Scout, I think I really just learned that you have to take it a day at a time. Like, you know, today is a good day, mm -hmm. one day at a time. And you really need to trust your instincts and speak up when you think you need to. And I don't know, it's such a weird feeling. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it is. It feeling. is a weird feeling. But, you know, with by Scout's day. You, and, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Tell me, by Scout's day, well, how, Scout's how did that look day, different? Well, by the last week, I was, you know, okay, she's ready to go home. Like, with Briar, I had no idea. You know, when I was terrified of her coming home, they asked me if I wanted to monitor with Scout. I was like, no, she's good. Let's just go. Um, I think I was a lot more at ease with her coming home, like seeing how the other two did once they came home, which, and like, I, I've never known anything different. So when she came home to me, she was a newborn, you know, and nothing really changed. I mean, she had two older siblings. We had to keep going on with life. Um, it was scary because it was COVID and all of that going on. Um, but I just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it was an interesting, I mean, Scout's Day was definitely way different than Briar's Day. It was, Briar's Day was very frightening and I was obsessive. I was there every second of the day. I was calling them every night. I was checking her weight every day. I mean, of course they tell you that, but it was like, I, you know, I had a blog going for her. I blogged about her every single day. Poor Scout and Baylor. I didn't do that for them. Uh. <laughs> I didn't time. But with Scout, it was like survival mode. I had two kids at home. I would go to the NICU one time a day. I would spend three hours holding her. I would pump as much as I could. I would, you know, do everything I possibly could to make my other two children feel like they were, you know, important as well. Um, so it was just a def different experience. And I don't know what I learned, but I, yeah, well, I want to talk about that for a minute because we, we do talk quite a bit about having older children at home. That wasn't our experience. So I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know what that feels like, but I think what I hear from you is you were there the first time you were there, you know, 24 hours a day, all of that by mm -hmm. the time scout came, you had the two older kids at home and you chose a, a path and a visitation schedule and Mm -hmm. a routine for your family that worked for your family yeah. with what you needed to do, right. To get yeah. through that day, to get through that next hour. Yeah. You figured out what worked for you. Yes. And it's like, you know, you've given guilt, of course, if you're not with them, I, I feel like I had more guilt with Baylor because I was with Briar so much. And then the second one, I could really only do the same thing. I mean, I went, but I would go back at night with him a lot. Um, cause I felt so bad if I wasn't there all the time. Cause I was so used to being there with Briar every day in the NICU. And then with Scout, I, I just knew that, that that wasn't, I couldn't do that. I had to right. make a schedule. You know, I had to do fun things with the kids in the afternoon, um, which I did. And I kept, I think it kept us sane almost because, and then because of, uh, COVID they didn't start the night hours until seven. And by that time I was, you know exhausted. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't go back at night and, you know, I would feel bad, but I even, we even, um, took the kids to the shore for 4th of July that time and stayed overnight. And I missed like one day of the whole NICU with her, which I never did before, but you know, all the nurses and doctors were like, just, you need to be there for your family, other, you know, your other kids as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, 
I think it's important for them because they were like, she needs to sit here and grow. And she, you know, there's not much you can do with her. And the other two need your attention as well. So I think you have to give yourself a break and, you know, not have so much guilt if you're not next to them every second of every day because they're well taken care of in there and loved and the nurses will hold them. If you, you know, if you're not going to be able to make it that day for some reason, someone will be more than happy to hold your baby for you for mm -hmm. an hour if they can. Well, and I'm sure your older children remember that time going to the beach. Your family remembers being at the beach. The rest and relaxation for you as well is so important. So, Quinn, when you think back to your NICU stay, how did you know the questions to ask? Other than knowing that your uncle is a neonatologist, okay? But in, in all seriousness, how, how did you figure out what to ask? How did you become part of the medical team taking care of your, your babies? Um, well, with... Baylor and Scout, it was experience from Briar, but with Briar, um, I don't know. I think in the beginning I was very scared to ask anything or just, you know, put in my opinion about something or, but then once, I don't know how to answer this question well, but to learn how to ask the questions, um, I think it's just instinct. And, you know, if you feel like something's not looking good or right, you know, just having the guts to say something to the doctor or to the nurses. I mean, the nurses always make you feel very comfortable. Um, and the doctors are amazing as well, but you see the nurses, you know, clearly all day long with your baby. Um, so you just have to, I don't know, just got to use your instincts and and did you feel a part of the team? Were you? Did you feel comfortable asking the nurses questions? Did you? How did you not look at the monitor when you were holding the babies? I remember that being one of the biggest things, right? Yeah. We would sit there and and look, and the yeah. nurses go, "Look at the baby! Look at the baby! Stop looking at the monitor!" Yes, I was a monitor. I stared at the monitor no matter what they said. But yes, I always felt really comfortable with the doctors and the nurses um, when they did rounds. I would never want to miss a round. Um, especially even with scout, um, they usually did them in the morning. So it worked out for my, and a lot of the times if they knew I was leaving, they would come over to me and just, you know, go through what was going on with her. Um, which was usually not much cause she was a very good baby in there. Um, but I always felt really a part of everything that was going on. And I did ask a lot of questions. I just like, can't think of what they were right now. Um, and the monitor thing, I mean, yeah, they would make, try to face you away from the monitor so you couldn't look at the monitor. But then I, but I like to see the monitor number goes down before I see the baby turn blue. I would like rather that than, I mean. It, it, it's hard to learn. It's hard to learn how to yes. do that. I, I yeah. still remember that when yeah. we came home and Claire was on a monitor coming home and that yeah. monitor would go off and we would go, oh my gosh, she's not breathing. And then we'd look at her and she was all pink and everything was fine. Right. So and she obviously right. was breathing, but, yes. um, but it's scary for sure. And then do you remember when you would um, do the bottle and they would have the episodes? I uh, sure do. A lot at home. And that was really freaky. Did you do the overnight stay? We did do an overnight stay and highly recommend it. It was really scary to do that, but it was, it was 
it was very helpful, even though having Claire in the overnight room with us and able to just be there with her, knowing that the doctors were right outside, highly recommend that for families. Did you do that as well, Quinn? I did. I did it with Briar. I didn't do it with the other two. Did I do it with Baylor? No, I think I just did it with Briar. I don't even think they were offering it really when Scout, because of COVID, mm -hmm. I'm not sure that was an option. Um, but that was the scariest night of my life, having them take that monitor out. And it was just you and the baby. I did not sleep. I was so scared that whole entire time, even with the doctors and the nurses and, you know, a room away. Um, but yes, I recommend it too. Because once I did bring her home, I mean, she was supposed to go home that week. And then, then she got her vaccinations and had very, very, very bad episodes. Um, that's what put her back on caffeine and sent home with caffeine and the monitor. And I think the fact that she was on caffeine and a monitor really eased my worry about the breathing um, or remembering to breathe most, you know, um, but going home with the monitor, I think I was nervous, but more at ease. And mm -hmm. I think that that overnight stay was amazing, but very scary when you're when you're on your own, basically, you feel like you're on your own. You, you do feel like you're on your own. I was like, sure. I can't feed her without a nurse around. She's going to turn blue. They're like, you know what to do. And it's like, ah. but. Uh, speaking of turning blue, one of the stories that I oftentimes share is about the first night that we left Claire home with my parents. Mm -hmm. And she turned blue on my mom when she was feeding her a bottle and my mother to this day, nearly 13 years later, never lets me forget about that night. <laughs> that she, oh, that night you left us with Claire and she turned blue on daddy and me. Oh um, my, I, I, my mom would never recover from that. She <laughs> couldn't, she could not handle the apnea episode. She was, oh, just, yeah. it was so scary, especially for someone that's, you know, of course me, her daughter, mm -hmm. and then her granddaughter, it's like, and I'm like, no, no, it's okay. You just tap her toe. And then she comes right back. And my mom's like, what? No, no. Go in there and you just go in there and wiggle her foot and everything's okay. I'm like, yeah. And I remember mm -hmm. Dr. Snyder always saying about episodes um, that, you know, if you really count up the time that they had those episodes, it's like, maybe a minute or two out of a 24 hour day. Cause I'd be like, Oh, Briar had a horrible day again. And he would always say, no, she didn't. She had a great day. She had 24, 23 hours and 55 minutes of amazing time. And then she, you know, she had those episodes, but it really puts it into perspective of how well they are doing and how much they're fighting. And Yes. Well, that's such an important point that you bring up as well, because we talk a lot about celebrating the good moments, the mm -hmm. good days, yep. and really stepping back, right? What you just said was stepping back and God bless Dr. Snyder. We, we love Dr. Snyder, mm -hmm. but that's so true, right? You might think it's a whole bad day, but if you just step back and look at the good moments and the good days that your baby's having, it might not make up as much of the day as you think when you yeah. have those setbacks. Yeah, yeah for sure. Remember, he said that with Briar, and I always remembered it with every, you know, setback that you have, because mm -hmm. you will have setbacks. I mean, every, I think every, almost every baby in there, you know. So I want to ask you, Quinn, what, when you look back, three NICU stays, what advice do you have for other parents? What advice do I have for other parents that are in the NICU? Um, I think that 
you shouldn't be too hard on yourself. And I, I know it's very stressful, um, but they're in, you know, really good hands and they need to be where they need to be. You can't focus on, you know, you thought you were bringing a baby home to a nursery, big, fat and chubby. And that's what I always, I mean, I know a lot of people have said that I've like handled this, all of this pretty well. Um, I never really harped on the fact that they were in the NICU. I knew that's where they needed to be. And I knew that they were, like I said, in amazing hands. And it was, it was almost really scary when they were about to come home. Cause you're like, I don't have all these machines. I can't, you know, but um, I think you just have to stay strong. And, you know, I think it's, also great for anyone that's in the NICU now. And like, I talk to people all the time, my friends and family, anyone will, if they, you know, find out that their grandbabies in the NICU, they'll, oh, my dad will give, you know, someone my number. And I love talking to parents that are in the NICU at the time, because I feel like it's such a huge support, which I did not have at the time with Briar. You know, I had no idea what was going on. I was Googling premature baby blogs. I had no idea. Um, but I think it's good if you're in the NICU to reach out to like today is a good day or, you know, try to find people that are going through the same thing. Um, talk to your neighbors in the NICU. And, you know, it, that really helped me a lot. I met some of, you know, really good friends in there that it just, when you're going through the same thing, it's a lot easier um, to just like, you know, rely on each other and, I think you just have to realize that it's just, you know, a day at a time and mm -hmm. don't get too upset when you think they're going to be discharged and something happens. And once you're home from the NICU, at least for me, I feel like I, I will never forget the NICU. I'll never forget the nurses and the doctors and everyone that helped me, but you really, I really do forget the NICU. Like it's not a part of, that they're like, you know, newborn, it's, it's a part of their newborn stage, but they, when they come home is really when it all starts happening. And you really forget about those long days in the hospital and, you know, spending three hours sitting in that chair, holding your baby, like, you're like, oh my gosh, I just wish I was home. But once they're home, you really don't remember all those bad times and those, you know, long days in the hospital, I would mm -hmm. have to say for me, at least. Yeah. I mean, I do, you know, think about it here and there, but you just go on with life and you have to just adjust to your new normal chunk and of time. It's a chunk mm -hmm. of time. Everything's yeah. a chunk of time. It is. And it sure. goes by fast. I think like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, how are your sweet miracles doing today? Um, they are doing amazing. Uh, Briar's now six. She is in kindergarten. She, is so smart and so kind and loves to do every sport she can get her hands on or at least try. Um, and she dances, she does gymnastics. I mean, she's doing amazing and has really never had any huge struggles. I mean, at all since she's um, been out of the NICU. And then Baylor is also doing amazing. He's in pre-K, so he'll be a grade below her. I did keep her back just to give her a little extra time. So they'll only be a grade apart. Um, and then Scout is two and she just started school and she is a Spitfire. 
and she's also smart and she's just, they're doing really great. Um, I, I did do recommend for families that are in the NICU to always take advantage of the after NICU care that you, you know, the wellness center that you can go back to because they really, of course you can do early intervention if you have any issues, but it really just helped me feel at ease when I, that, that I knew that they were looking at their progress of, you know, how they were growing and how they were learning and developmentally. I think that was like a lot that was really helpful. And it was also kind of a security blanket knowing that you would have that help after if your hospital, you know, um, provides that care. I think it's a huge thing to take advantage of. Well, you can explore too where a hospital nearby might provide that NICU yeah. follow-up clinic or wellness clinic. Yeah. That is such an important point. And yeah. being able to have your baby followed through the NICU follow-up clinic along with early intervention, all mm-hmm. of services, if you're not familiar with them, ask your social worker at the hospital before yeah. you're discharged. Those are really great opportunities that are out there for you just to have that follow-up care. Such an important thing to bring up. Uh, But Quinn, thank you so much for joining us today on the Today is a Good Day podcast. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We love to share stories from all of our different NICU families who are a part of the Today is a Good Day community and really just appreciate you being here with us today. Thank you. Thank you.